Welcome, welcome to the Televangelist Podcast. I am your host, R.C. Carlton, and today we will discuss Season 3 of Cobra Kai. This will be mostly spoiler-free. I might have to go back later and edit this in the beginning, but I'm not sure how far I'm going to get into the season as far as depth goes. I ambitiously want to do a companion uh, podcast for every episode, but I might break that down into twos or threes or I'm not sure, but I am going to do some coverage individually on the episodes. So first, my thoughts about the season, my overall overview was that it's a good season. It's a B and a show that in the first season is an A to A plus show. I think that the show went so big in season two. They pushed everything to the brink. And so naturally, you have to do a little decompressing, but we've already been taken to that mountaintop. It's very hard to go back and to have them reload and reset. And I think some of the dynamics of the show that worked so well were not present in the first half of season three. It's kind of anticlimactic because we know in this kind of show, ultimately, and this is a spoiler, so skip 15 minutes ahead, 15 seconds ahead, but, I mean, you should know this. Ultimately, Miguel is going to walk. We kind of get this, and they tried to make it feel earned, but it kind of seemed obvious and too easy that he really was going to walk. They turned his walking into a montage scene. Uh, It just didn't hold the same emotional weight, and there weren't enough setbacks in what Miguel was trying to do. And again, they tried to do it, but it just didn't fit the tone of the show. And this show is at its best when the characters are interacting with certain dynamics. So... A lot of the the season, karate was kind of illegal, and the students were doing it on the side. And so the teenage romance and drama for part of the season, there just wasn't enough focus on the teens. And there's a lot of focus on finding Robbie. There was probably too much Daniel this season. You had Daniel going to Japan, going to Okinawa, I believe. It was just nice because you saw Chosen and you saw the other lady from the Karate Kid Part 2, but it really wasn't needed. You took the focus on Daniel and that whole storyline about the dealership, and it does give his wife, Amanda, who I think is a wonderful actress, and I think she plays a very good part in mellowing the men out and putting them in their place. But at the same time, they kept us. It strayed us away from the core of the show, and the core of the show is the rivalry, between Daniel and Johnny, which in the beginning of the season, they came together, which ultimately I knew they would come together. But ultimately, and I won't spoil the end of the season, but ultimately you, but you could see them coming together on the trailer. But ultimately you have this dynamic between them. And sometimes it's okay when they're getting along and we know it won't last forever. Usually they get along for a little while and then they don't, but you had, you had the combination of Sam 
refusing, uh, I guess it is going to be spoiler. You had the combination, combination of Sam refusing to do karate for a while. So we get the young kids out of that. You have Miguel, one of the best practitioners of karate, out of commission. You have Robbie out of commission. So Miguel and Sam and Robbie, the main teenagers, are all split apart from each other, and they make up the underbelly of the show. I would say the soft underbelly of the show. That's in a, in a good way. The rivalry that so we got the consequences of the rivalry. We got another thing that that helps the show early on is Johnny by himself interacting in the world, not necessarily with Daniel as frequently. But I think we get one or two episodes of that. But early on, we got Daniel and Johnny working together, which was kind of fun. But it really had no stakes, and they go and kind of do their Tango Cash and Cash adventure that really doesn't do much um, for me. And uh, maybe we could have done without that part of them doing that. I don't know. Some of it was funny, but some of it wasn't. Uh, there's too much crease in this season. I love crease, but and maybe the backstory was even good. But you can't have crease having his own equal standing with Johnny. And uh, and and honestly, um, Martin Cove. Or, no, I'm not going to say Martin Cove, but I'm going to say Kreese doesn't have the depth to to make it work like Johnny does. You're not going to feel sympathetic for Kreese, even though the backstory they told was interesting. But you're not going to feel sympathetic for him unless he does some things in the present. But everything's a means to the end. So you don't see, like maybe Kreese becomes a Thanos kind of character where you kind of see his side that he's right. But they never really argued that. In the first season, you saw that Johnny's perspective was just as legitimate as Daniel. But now they really are going to the 80s kind of thing where there's a villain, an obvious villain, and obvious good guys, and the good guys have to come together to beat the greatest threat. Now, the kids did this a lot better throughout the season than Daniel and Johnny did, who took a while to figure that out. But... That's what's missing of the show. So the things that make the show work, the engines of the show, the rivalry, the kids doing karate and kind of the romance, the love triangle, uh, even with Tori coming in there, the love, uh, you know, square or rectangle, you know, it, it just took. And I think Tori was in the second episode. But it, they, the kids were scattered out and they weren't interacting with each other until later on. And as soon as the kids start interacting with each other, then the show picked up and the closer we got to that with the kids doing karate and focusing on the rivalry between Miyagi-Do and Cobra Kai what's left of it and Johnny's new <laughs> new uh, organization the better the show got also that underbelly of, of, or the, the, the foundational support of the relationship between Johnny and Miguel that relationship was not there when, when Miguel was in a coma and initially he rejected him and then slowly they built that relationship back up and they did some really good things. They turned it on his head when Daniel and Miguel sat in the car and they talked about Daniel's side of things and, and, and you begin to see more of what makes that show good, the perspective that nobody's really a good guy, that nobody's really a bad guy and some of the things about the 80s that are great with the show it became some of the weaknesses of the show because you got a lot of Star Wars in there when you had Robbie come in there and kind of be like 
Darth Vader to Kreese's Emperor Palpatine. He converted him. He changed him. He made him come over to the dark side. He had a Hawk who actually resisted the dark side, which I'm not going to call Hawk like Luke Skywalker, but in a way he was. And it is okay, but it just is not strong. If season three was season one, just in what they presented, I would not have been as obsessed with the show. Now, it's still, because of the length and because of caring about the characters, it still had the bingeability. I've watched it from 3 o'clock in the morning to around 12.30, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So I still enjoyed it. When Daniel got back from Okinawa in Japan, it really um, picked up. The episode where uh, Johnny took Daniel, not Daniel, where Johnny took Miguel to a concert was really cool. And it was kind of cool how Miguel slowly got glimmers of hope of getting himself back together. And he wasn't quite the karate uh, master that he was. So Miguel's story arc, despite what I've said about some of it, um, wasn't satisfied. But some of it was very satisfied. Uh, I was upset or sad to not see Aisha in there. I think she was kind of a linchpin within the groups. I like what they did with Dimitri in the storyline, with the hot girl, whose name I can't remember. Um, that was kind of cool, kind of goofy, kind of 80s. I think some of, I guess that what I'm saying is that when you see puppets, right, you're not supposed to see the wiring. And it's just supposed to look like the puppet is moving on its own. And I think we saw some of the wiring of the show because it went away from some of the strengths partly because they went so all out in season three that in order to get back to where the show is strong, they had to write the characters back there and write themselves out of a box, and I don't know if that was what's best for the show. I still enjoyed it. I think the show is kind of fading just a little bit. I think Miguel falling off the railing, we will look back and we will see that as the peak of the show because season two, season one, the finale, you saw no matter what Johnny did, the kids was kind of taking it the wrong way. It was that shades of gray, who was really good, who was bad. He wasn't happy with what his kids had turned into and he's trying to teach them the right way. Season two, he teaches Miguel to show mercy. And the complexity of that is that Miguel is actually harmed for showing no mercy. That, that's a great dynamic. This season, Johnny and Daniel join forces and Robbie has gone to the dark side with Crease. So it's not the same thing in a way. It kind of reminds me, and I hate to do this, it's kind of funny, but in this parallel, it reminds me of Game of Thrones. Now, obviously, nothing could be as bad as the Game of Thrones finale, but that last season or the last two seasons of Game of Thrones, you had something that was more showy and less complex and more simplistic, and this is definitely, you know, Game of Thrones is a much deeper show, but just follow me. This season didn't have the complexity the show is simple but complex. They tell the same stories, but
but in a complex way and get you to see points of views about who's really good and who's really bad and perspectives that nobody's – and they try to do that this season, but it just doesn't hit the head. But I really enjoyed the second half of the season. I enjoyed the last third of the season. I thought the ending was good, but I think if they aren't careful, it can become just another show. But look, uh, thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this on iTunes, write a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us five stars as well. Uh, spread the word, pass this on. I'm going to do more reviews. I'm going to try to see if I can get anybody associated with the show on the podcast. But until next time, this has been R.C. Carlton with the Televangelist Podcast. Have a great day and happy binge-watching.